0: Welcome to Christian Life Coaching by Jimmy and Melissa Thrasher. I'm Melissa. Jimmy and I are ordained ministers and we speak to the spiritual side of mankind. We offer hope and encouragement in Christ found in His holy word and we share our personal testimonies of the wonderful things God has done in our lives. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Christian Life Coaching by Jimmy and Melissa Thrasher. You can also find us on Buzzsprout and all major digital podcast providers. Today's podcast is entitled Grieving a Loss. In today's episode, we'll be talking about the grieving process, how a loss affects your life and your future. My husband, Jimmy Thrasher, will not only be sharing key Bible verses, he will also be sharing his personal testimony from losing his late wife, Tammy, as well as his mother and father two weeks apart. Jimmy, I guess my first question is, have the losses been different for you?
1: The loss of my late wife, Tammy, and the loss of my mom and dad were very different. I would say with my late wife, She was young, she was very healthy, she was the essence of healthy, she ate right, she exercised to just look at her, she was very fit, very positive person, sweet, everyone loved her. The two of us were married young, and as young couples do, you dream, you make plans, and you work on the rest of your lives together. The two of us had a lifetime of dreams, and for 25 years, we worked arm-in-arm, hand-in-hand on those dreams together. She and I, together, had so much more ahead of us to do. And I think because she was so healthy, so fit, so sweet, so kind, so loving, she would just be the last one that anyone would think would pass young. Now, with my mom and dad, it was completely different. My mom and dad both lived full lives. They were right at 80 years old. My mom and dad had accomplished everything in life they were dreamed of, hoped for. They were both healthy and completely and totally independent together right up until a year and a half before they passed, and they passed two weeks apart.
0: Let's talk for the next few minutes about the textbook definition of the five steps of grieving. There's no certain order for these. People experience them differently and sometimes repeat some steps, but not all. The others may only experience one part of these steps. The first one we'll mention is the only step Jimmy didn't experience, and that is the bargaining stage. Bargaining in relation to grieving is attempting to postpone one's sadness by imagining different what-if scenarios. Denial, in relation to grieving, is the refusal to accept the facts of a loss, be it consciously or unconsciously. Depression, in relation to grieving, is when one begins to realize and feel the true extent of the death or loss. Anger, in relation to grief, often stems from a feeling of abandonment because of a death or loss, leading to feelings of helplessness and powerlessness. Lastly, acceptance in relation to the grief process happens when one comes to term with all of the emotions and feelings experienced by the loss and accepting the death or loss has occurred, and it cannot be changed. Jimmy, let's start at denial since this is the first stage you experienced.
1: I did not experience the bargaining phase of of grief. It's just one thing that, thankfully, I did not have to deal with. For me, denial was the first thing. I can remember that it began after the funeral at the graveside. After everyone came out to the graveside, talked and just kind of were there. One by one, they got in their vehicles and they drove away. I was left there by myself at my wife's graveside. I remember it just being so many flowers piled up everywhere over her grave. And I remember not wanting to leave. I was just there looking at all these flowers and just kind of thinking, what do I do now? I couldn't believe that she had passed that it. was not supposed to happen. I had done everything I could do, taking care of all the arrangements, doing everything I could for her up to that point. But she wasn't getting in the truck and leaving with me, and I didn't know what to do. So after the longest while, I got in my vehicle and I left from there and I drove out to Texas to where we used to live. And I was just trying to hold on to her as long as I could. I was there for two or three days. I went to all the places she and I used to go together, walked through all the doors. I remember her walking through with me. And just knowing, you know, she walked through these doors. She's walked on this floor. So I went everywhere that I remembered us going together. I drove by our house that we bought and lived in. When we lived there, I drove by it probably 100 times during those two or three days. When I left Texas, I headed to Florida to our favorite beach spot. that We had went to the same spot every year for those 25 years. And I remember pulling over uh, just before I left out of Texas into Louisiana. I pulled over at a spot where we as a family would pull over and take a break, get a snack. And I parked in the parking lot facing west. Without really thinking about it, facing back toward Texas. So when I came out of the store to get back in the vehicle, Texas is what I was seeing. But I knew that after I left, I would be leaving out of Texas. And just the weight of that weighed on me because I had lost her. And even though I was back in Texas and it was comforting to be around all the different things we did while we lived there, I think that was the First part of me moving to where it became real was to drive out of Texas that day. I made my way over to Florida to the same place our family went to for 25 years. And when I got there, it was the same thing. I ate at all her favorite restaurants. Went and rode all the rides that we we loved to ride together. And and this whole process was a two week trip. So I left her graveside, went straight to Texas, then to Florida, and then came back home. And that was a two-week process, and even then, it, it wasn't real to me. I was continuing to hold on. There was a, a numbness, the denial phase. You're just kind of numb. That just kind of like it's like God numbs the pain so that you can manage during that time. And I remember those first holidays. I was numb. I was there. I was present at everything. But it's like it. Looking back on it, it's like it wasn't real. It's it's kind of like an out-of-body experience. It's like I was there, but I wasn't. But the next set of holidays, that was wore off. I was past that, and it was all too real, all too raw. And that was the first and the only set of holidays I have ever skipped in my life. I made it through Thanksgiving, but I couldn't bear Christmas. So I totally skipped Christmas. Had never done that before. Haven't done it since, probably never will again. I was home during Christmas Eve while all the activities was going on. But I left for a beach trip to a new place I had never been on Christmas morning. And I would say that trip was a huge beginning for me to begin this new life that, that God has given me. But the denial phase for me did not end until I woke up one morning. I just barely got one eye open, and I heard God just speak down in my spirit, until death do you part. And that's when it dawned on me that not only had I lost my wife, but I had also lost my marriage. The whole year after I had lost her, year and three months at this point, I was still married. It's just like everything was on hold that whole time. But once God spoke to me that morning, until death do you part, that's when it became final. That, that's when it became real that I had lost her. She and I had made that commitment. We promised each other in our marriage vows until death do we part. And, and we kept those vows. For whatever reason, that's how God chose to make that final for me, that I had lost her. And it was at that point, the real healing could begin, which just kind of surviving up to that point.
0: Jimmy, me knowing the reason we do what we do is to help hurting people, those who are currently going through what you went through, to share how God rescued you out of all that and to encourage those people that God can and will rescue them too. But even knowing that, the good that we are doing from the terrible experience you suffered and endured doesn't make it any easier to listen to. You tell it in such a way that as a listener, you're transported there and you can feel the hopelessness of what you experienced and the weight of it all. But the good news is that God did rescue you and he did heal you from the loss and the grieving. So with that, what word of encouragement would you have for those listening right now that have suffered a loss or are in the denial stage of the grieving process?
1: The first thing I would like to say is I am sorry for your loss. If no one has told you that, let me be the first. I am sorry for your loss. And I may not know everything that you're experiencing and that you're going through, but I do know what it is like to have a loss and to be going through each phase of the process. And moreover, I'd like to say, God more than anyone knows how you feel and what you're going through. Psalm 55, 4-8 My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, Oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter, far from the tempest and storm. Not only does God know how you feel, but He cares about what what's going on in your life and he is the one who will bring healing Psalm 147 3, He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. This is a verse I held closely to my heart as I went through my grieving process. You will hear me use it many times throughout this podcast. And with that, I would say be gentle with yourself. Give yourself all the rest, all the time, all the prayer that you need, and you will need a lot of it. If you feel like you cannot go to a birthday party or to a holiday gathering or even out to lunch with a friend, don't be yourself up over it. If you don't feel like you can go, just let those around you know I don't think I'll be able to come today, maybe next time. You don't have to explain to them what you're going through because they're not going to get it anyway. And when they don't get it, that's just going to add to what you're feeling because you're going to feel like they don't care. They don't get it. And that's just going to make it harder for you. Just do what's best for you. Give yourself all the grace, all the time, all the rest that you need to get through this phase. And if you're a child of God, know this. God knows how to get you through Not only this phase of the grieving process, but he also knows how he's going to get you through the whole thing. Just knowing that is comforting. It should give you peace and it should allow your soul in your heart, all the grace, all the space, all the comfort that you need to take this step of denial. And it's kind of amazing how God does not put all that on you at one time, the weight of it all. Through the denial phase, it is a phase of numbness, like they put you to sleep before a surgery, so you don't feel all that. God doesn't let you feel all that at one time. He kind of unfolds it. He kind of reveals it a bit at a time to where your mind, your heart, your soul, your body, Body can handle the load of that. And it is with all of this that I say the denial phase of the grieving process will give you the time to come to terms with it in a way that you can handle it and be patient with yourself and give yourself all the grace and peace that you need to get through this process and putting your hope and trust in God. He will help you through that phase.
0: Yes, God is always with us. Moving now to the depression phase of grieving. Share with our listeners what that was like for you.
1: This was a time of overall just hopelessness and having no sense of a future. It was a time of basically just existing from day to day. I also remember it being the time of my most severe sadness, like a dark cloud over my head 24-7. I had no energy. It was all I could do to go to work and get through the day and get back home. I would pretty much go to bed when I would get home, and that's where I would be until the next morning time. To go to work. This lasted almost a full year for me. After I lost my late wife, I basically lost everything we had paying off her doctor bills. During that time, I moved in with my parents and was there for about nine months when I finally got all that paid off and began building a new home. God healed me of the depression. The first day I arrived at the house, I had very little energy and didn't get much done. But I began to notice that each day I came back, I got more and more done. And finally, one day I found joy come back, excitement. I began to be happy about building a new home and excited to get moved into it. And that was the first glimpse of my new life, my new future that was beginning to develop. So it was during the process of installing the electrical system in my new home that God healed me of the depression part of grieving. And I remember how great it felt. It was like I walked out of this long, dark tunnel into the greatest light I had ever seen. It was almost like being reborn.
0: What words of encouragement would you have for anyone going through grief, depression?
1: I would say to take it one. One day at a time. Get lots of rest. You need your energy. Take the time you need by yourself, but get out and fellowship with others in the amount you feel comfortable with. If you have a walking trail nearby, walking is good. It gives you lots of exercise. Go to the movies. Listen to music. Take short trips. Attend church and be involved. And be sure to talk. Talk to those that you can trust. Those that you know care about you and will pray for you. And on the topic of prayer. Don't forget to pray. As you go through a depression, your spirit will be down. Sometimes you just don't want to talk to anyone, and that can translate into not wanting to pray. But the fact of the matter is, you need to be praying more than ever before. And remember this Psalm 147 3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds.
0: Yes, prayer is so important. And God is close to the brokenhearted. Moving on to the anger part of grieving, what do you remember about anger?
1: Other than depression, I would say anger was probably one of the toughest parts of the grieving process for me. I remember not being angry at anyone in particular, it was just like I was mad at the world. I was mad that I lost my wife. I was mad that I lost my marriage. I was mad that we lost the life that we had together. I was mad that we were no longer working on the dreams that God had given us. I was mad because I was lonely all the time. I was mad because I'd lost all my friends, all the friends that she and I had together. And I remember just being angry at the world. And it was a constant anger. It was an anger that when I woke up, it was there. When I went to sleep, it was there. And it was there all in between. I learned during this time that I had to be very careful. And this was one of the most isolating times of the grieving process for me. After a few times of taking it out on a few close friends, I found out it did not take much to kind of trip that off. So I found I had to say less than the normal. I had to kind of hold my tongue, sometimes bite my tongue. To keep from saying something that I would regret and have to go back later and say, I'm sorry. The anger part of grieving is one of the toughest and one that has to be managed the most.
0: Anger is something that's very hard to go through and deal with, but God is always there to help us through anything we're going through. And what word of encouragement would you have for anyone going through the anger part of grieving?
1: I think when something unfair happens to us, our first instinct many times is to lash out. The unfairness of something that happens to us, to say it from the rooftops, hey, this isn't fair. This should not have happened. It's not right. So often when something unfair does happen to us, we want to tell someone about it. We want to plead our cause. We want to make the wrong right. But when you lose someone, especially when they're younger, as was my late wife, and as with her, she was... Was young, she was healthy, she was fit, kind, loving, gentle, a true woman of God. When something like this so unfair Happens. It felt like we just need to plead that cause, and if we keep all that bottled up inside of us, it will soon boil over. A word of encouragement here would be to pray and pray like you've never prayed before. Take all those emotions, all the pain, all the anger, and pour that out before God. Tell Him how you feel. He will understand. Trust me. There will be very few of your friends or family who will truly get it, who will understand what you're going through. But God does get it. He does does understand, and He will bring you to a place of peace and healing.
0: Jimmy, we've come to the final stage of the grieving process as you experienced it. Tell our listeners about the acceptance stage of the grieving process.
1: Yeah, the grieving process is truly a messy thing. Of the different five parts of grieving, not everyone goes through them all. I didn't. I only went through four. And sometimes you think you've got one part licked and you find yourself going through it again. I think it may be a good guess that most would go through the acceptance part last since that's what it is. You accept it. So for me, the individual parts of the grieving process wasn't like, hey, you're done here, so let's go to the next. I would just kind of realize one day, hey, I'm cool there, you know, I'm not dealing with that anymore. The acceptance part which was the end to my clinical grieving was much the same way. I just went to lunch one day by myself, like I did at that time and even to this day I ate lunch by myself as part of the collateral damage of my grieving process. I sat down, I'm at lunch, and in an instant without even thinking or expecting, I have this movie type moment with this young lady that I didn't know. We crossed paths with each other, our eyes met and And we just kind of looked at each other for an extended moment. We both knew that there was like something that happened there for a moment. And that was the moment that I knew that it would be possible that I may could love again. And in that instant, it felt like God just flipped the switch off to my grieving process. Now, it's true. I have days. I think I always have days around holidays. You cannot even be thinking about the loss and you just find yourself off and you don't know why and then it dawns on you, yep, our anniversary is tomorrow. Her birthday is in a few days or Thanksgiving's coming up or Christmas is coming up and then you realize what's going on and it's not like the clinical grieving, severe sadness, but it is a bit sad and I think with a spouse or a child, someone that was literally part of you, that for me at least, I think it will always be there, but I know how to manage it now and I have accepted my new life so thankful for Sweet Melissa and I embrace my new life every day that's just something that I have to deal with from time to time throughout the year a word of encouragement here for anyone who has listened to this podcast who is going through grieving I would just like to encourage you right now in this fact if it's your heart's desire to be happy again to love again to have a new life pray that prayer to God and ask Him to heal you of the grieving, to bring joy back into your life, to teach you how to smile again, to give you your old smile back again, and begin to embrace the new life that God is sending your way. I know it's sometimes hard to let go of the past and the life that you once knew, but that is truly something you have to do is to open your hands and release that and while your hands are open now you can receive the newness that god has for you as i am here before the microphone recording this podcast for those of you who are battling through grieving on the other side of my microphone is a painting that my wife melissa painted for me while we were dating she did not know it at the time that this was one of my favorite Bible verses and one that God was dealing with me heavily on. And I want to share it with you right now as I look past the mic holder, the cord, and I can just kind of see it through there, but I know it by heart. And it's Jeremiah 29 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope in a future. And I end on that. I pray that you will believe God and ask God for that hope and future that He has for you in your new life as you are overcome and grieving. God bless.
0: We now come to the end of this podcast. If you want to connect with us, please go to our Facebook page, Christian Life Coaching by Jimmy and Melissa Thrasher. Please like, share, or send comments or questions. Also, please visit our Evangelism and Missions Ministry, Silent Witness Inc. at silentwitnessinc.org to find out what we're doing in Evangelism and Missions. If you are a business or corporate owner and would like to partner with our podcast show, please contact us to discuss how we can further our callings together. If you visited Silent Witness, Inc. and would like to participate in that work, please consider giving at silentwitnessinc.org. We hope you look to God and His Word for the answers to all of your needs and concerns. And until next time, be sure to be good to yourself and to those around you.